up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Into the Friar Ramblings from the Kitchen podcast. I am your host, Matt Hewitt. On this week's episode of Into the Friar, I have a good friend of mine, Jeff Fair, who I refer to as the Llama. Jeff and I worked for together for a brief period at a restaurant in Salt Lake City, forged a really great friendship, and uh, he was kind enough to join me on this episode. If you recall, Jeff actually was the first volunteer for my Zoom experiment, which is going pretty well, but when he and I first uh, first spoke, I had no idea what I was doing, so I had to scrap that episode, and I brought him back to join me for a conversation that I think worked out pretty well. We had originally discussed, um, we, we talked for about 40 minutes and then we had discussed about getting back together to, to add more to the conversation. But after I listened to the audio, I decided to leave it right where it was because, well, you'll just have to wait till the end and hear what he has to say about one of the meals that he had recently in in Naples, Florida. Anyway, I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining me. Um, thank you for bearing with the lack of consistency as of late. As you know, I've been working on the American Food Project, the documentary, learning some other things about uh, video editing and audio editing, and trying to learn how to bring better content overall. So please enjoy this episode of Into the Friar, Ramblings from the Kitchen podcast with Jeff Fair, the llama. All right, I'm here with my good friend Jeff Fair. I affectionately affectionately refer to him as the llama, and uh, we'll probably get into that a little bit later. But Jeff, thank you for being on the show with me again. Oh man, thank thank you for having me. It's just two 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 for two now. I'm excited. It's yeah. great. So uh, I will get anybody that's listening for the first time. Jeff was the first volunteer for my Zoom experiment, and uh, we had I I had no idea what the fuck I was doing, and so <laughs> what happened was I didn't know that I needed to change how the microphone was. Um, coming through the computer and so he was talking it was recording on the computer and then the microphone was picking up his voice coming out of the computer through the microphone and then re-recording it and it made for some really harsh audio so I ended up having to scrap the the entire thing because I couldn't I couldn't do I couldn't do it I just couldn't edit it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. I had a great time the first time. I'm having a great time now. Hey, awesome. I'll give you this now. I, it was, yeah, it was, it was a blast. I'm, I'm excited to be here again. I'm really, really excited. It's a lot of fun. Right on, man. Right on. Yeah. So you and I, well, we, uh, I, I don't want to keep like saying, oh, it has, yeah. So I'll just get into it. Um, yeah. We met about two and a half years ago. Working. Um, thanks. Maybe a little bit longer, a little bit less. A little longer. I think it was uh, sixteen, seventeen. So yeah, it's bordering three now. Three years. Coming up on three years, we met. Yep. Uh, working for a very popular, very busy restaurant, uh, Mexican restaurant in Salt Lake City, 
it will remain nameless probably, but uh, yeah. Jeff was Jeff was one of our, our front of the house managers and I was the director of kitchen operations and uh, seemed to strike up a fast friendship. And I think Jeff has a wealth of knowledge in the food and restaurant industry, particularly on the beverage side of things. And um, I'd love to just talk about how you, how you got started in the restaurant business. And then we'll talk about kind of where you grew up or we can talk about where you grew up and what life was like if food was a part of your upbringing and restaurants were a part of your upbringing. Um, Cause I know for, for some of us, that's, that's how it was. But uh, why don't you tell me how you got started in the restaurant industry? Well, it's, I ended up actually, um, my first taste of the restaurant industry was a buddy of mine opened up a Italian restaurant called Rigoletto in Miller Place, New York. I'm not going to count the P3 I worked at because that's, that's, that's fast. It was a lot of fun, though. But these guys, um, Adam and Dan Zeitlin, they had, uh, they had wanted to open a restaurant for a while. and uh, my buddy Tom Fiametta, who's a chef uh, up in Virginia, he he was he wanted to be a chef, so I got him a job in the back of the house, and I was in the front of the house. And I just kind of went on the experience as I had had dining with my parents as to how I was supposed to act, you know, for a for a waiter. And that was when I went to college, and you know, was doing my thing, and then I ended up out in Utah. And I discovered a crystal and white powder called snow. And up until that point, I had, yeah, I know it's, 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 it's very well known. And, uh, I hadn't thought about doing much else. I was just kind of kicking around at Pozzuoli working at REI at the time. And, uh, and I also was making about seven thirty-five an hour. So it's not like I was tearing up the charts in my bank account. You know, <laughs> if, if, if I, if I had, ah, dinner out a month, it was considered good. And most of the time I lived on breakfast burritos that I made in my, in my house, in my house, uh, that I shared with, I think seven other people. My, my rent was 250 bucks. It was great. Oh, I imagine. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was actually a really good time. A lot of fun, a lot of parties, a lot of cops. It was, you know, it, it, it's the consummate experience of, uh, the ski bum in, uh, in Utah. Ski bums, ski, ski bums slash uh, food industry worker. They seem to go hand yeah. in hand. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's, you get there, you you end up in Utah, and you're looking around, going, "Oh man, I gotta, I gotta get a, I gotta get a job where I can get to the mountain, and not on the weekends, whenever you know, when the mass of humanity is there." Sure. So pretty much, pretty much, you can work at a hotel, doing uh, doing overnights, or if you're going to a bar or a restaurant. I mean, that's pretty much the. I don't know of much else at the time when I was there that was available to me. Right. So I, uh, I, apl- I applied to Cucina Toscana and uh, Cucina Toscana was, was owned by Ken Milo, but the name most people would recognize is Walter Nasi. And he right. was kind of the ringleader of this group. He was the general manager. And uh, I remember sitting with Walter and I showed up and he's in this shark skin suit and he's sitting there and he saddles up real close to me. He puts his arm around me. He goes, I want to buy you a house. And I didn't know I was like, yeah, you're like, whoa, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like you're whispering this in my ear. Uh, okay. Look, it, I, I'm not that guy. You know, it's cool, but it ain't me. Right. Right. And what I didn't understand was Walter 
as good as his English was, he didn't have the ability to enunciate or, or describe what he wanted. And the house for him was his dream to own a house in America. So when he'd sit down with you and he'd tell you he wanted to buy you a house, it was he wanted you to find your dream. And it could have been anything. It could have been as simple as, you know, having a, you know, having a full meal and not wondering where your money was coming from, to buying a house, to being a ski bomb, to going to college. He wanted everybody to live that dream. He wanted people to really kind of, you know, continue on and be, and be successful. Oh, that's awesome. And that's what, yeah, it was, he was, I mean, the, my, if my, my favorite story about Walter is a little bit off topic, but I really like sharing it with people. And I don't even have shared it with you, but I had been working there for about three weeks and they, and I finally was making money and it, it goes from making next to nothing. You're walking with 180, 200 a night. And you're sitting there going, this is the best thing I've ever done. And it's easy. You know, it's like, well, not that it's easy. That's the wrong term. But when you fall into it and you're doing it well, it seems easy. And I get a phone call from my mom and she's never quiet on the phone. She's like, you need to call us immediately. So I took, I stepped off. I had just started working and uh, days when cell phones were flipped open and I called up. She's like, Hey, your dad's in the hospital. He had a heart attack and he is in the ER. He's going to be admitted. He's having a shunt put in tomorrow. Keep your phone on. I'll keep you apprised of what's going on. Holy okay. But yeah. So I tell Walter this, I tell my, I tell my floor manager, I'm like, listen, it is not, it's not intentional. This is a family thing. I have to be ready to take this phone call. And of course I miss it because that's the way I do things in life. I just can never get it right. And I pick up, I, I, I dial into the, the voicemail and I get it. My mom is dead silent. She's like, it's a five-way bypass. It's about a 70% chance he's coming out of this. Get on a flight and get oh, on shit. one now. So I'm, I'm freaked. And I'm like, I'm 20. Five at the time and I'm trying to keep it together and I basically just grab my paperwork and for those who don't know or those who do know your paperwork is your checkout sheet all of your checks cash whatever it is is you give it to your floor manager and I just roll this up in a ball and Walter and the owners and the guy named Justin Kinnaird is there and another manager Arturo and I go by and I just throw this on the table I'm like I am out of here and I just go cruising out the door and Walter chases me outside. My Jeff, my Jeff, come back. What's going on? I said, Walter, just give me, give me, dude, basically back off, man. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, my dad, and I start to, I'm, I'm really on the, I'm on the, I'm on the edge. And he puts his hand on my shoulder. He looks at me, he goes, you take care of your papa. And he takes a wad of cash out and puts it in my hand and says, your job is safe. Oh, wow. You go. And that, and that was it. When I got home to New York, now, mind you, it's 7 a.m. I'm landing. Do you know who called me first? I'm, it was I'm Walter. Getting, I bet. Yeah. How, or had you seen your papa yet? How is your papa? Can you tell me about your papa? And anytime I saw Walter, my dad came out a few times. He had dinner with him. Anytime I saw Walter, I could walk into the restaurant right now, sit down, have a cappuccino and a, and a, and a Pellegrino with him. And he'd say, Jeffrey, how is your papa? And right. that was... That's the type of guy he was. And he instilled, he instilled this incredible love, service, and the experience into me. And that's really kind of how it really bubbled up and started to kind of churn. And I mean, yeah, and we also drank a shitload of wine. So it was really good, you know? 
Ah, uh, yes, I drink a shitload of wine too. Oh, so oh, the good old the good old days. Hey, so yeah. how how old were you? I mean, I'm guessing yeah. you started in the your first place Rigoletto's was you. I mean, were you high school age or had graduated high school or you were going to college? I graduated college? high school. I was in college. I was probably just 20, maybe. No. No, I was actually, I was 20 and then turned 21 because New York, you can't serve liquor until you're 21, or at least I believe that's what it was. So I was, I was just, just in maybe. But yeah, I was about 20, 21 when I, when I did that. And then, uh, then uh, out to Utah, I went. So with, uh, you know, yeah, I always find it interesting. I mean, what age you came out to Utah, you discovered what brought you out to Utah. I mean, you came out for something and then yep. you discovered snow and then you were like, like, I'm staying like every wayward housewife and, and kid who has no direction and doesn't know what to do with college. I went to the Utah college of massage therapy. I became a massage therapist. Oh, wow. I worked at the Delta Center. I did some private private events. I had a great time with it, but it just, for whatever the reason, it never rang true with me. And I am eventually, like I said, I started working at REI, and uh, and then it just, and then it was a huge storm uh, just after the Olympics. Mm-hmm. They got two feet in the valley, and that just kind of sealed the deal. We ended up uh, doing some 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 slack, some side country, and just. It was it was one of those experiences where, you know, my grandfather, my mom's father, uh, said he never felt closer to God than in the Mountain West, especially in Montana and Wyoming and Idaho. And I'm not religious. I ne- never claimed to have been. But I can understand why he felt that way. And then when you're out there and you're even just you've been on the hill with Van and stuff like that, everything falls away. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It just simply just. And you're just left with this just beautiful feeling. It's a it's a balance that I find to be just absolutely incredible. Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was. Uh, it's funny that you're you're bringing up something that specific now. Uh, I was just talking with a, a chef a couple of weeks ago. Um, I interviewed him for the for the podcast. His name is mm-hmm. Miller, and he he grew up in Jersey in uh, Long 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 Beach Island, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it, I don't ask the question like to be a dick or, um, cause I live here in Utah, but I always ask like, how did you get from there to here? You know, like, how did you, and I say, and I was, I was talking to him and I'm like, how did you end up in Utah? Like, it's a bad thing. You know, like, like it comes off oh. like, how did you end up in, you know, insert some unsavory profession that people <laughs> shoot, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, it's not. Utah's a f- pretty fucking rad place to live, but I always am interested because from New York or the East Coast, I mean, it's such a difference. Even even I grew up in Southern California and and the move is is not, it doesn't seem like it's as different, yet it's a world of difference. But he was oh. relating, and I, and I tell you that just because he was relating a story about how he fell in love with snow as well. Um, his wife, uh, her parents, I guess, used to come out all the time um, from the East Coast, and they ended up retiring out here to Utah. And they would, he and his wife would travel out during the summers, and a couple times. And he's like, and we just, we just started falling in love with it. He goes, and then once I got a taste of the of the snow here, 
um, he said it was all over it. And I forget the name of the place, but there's like one famous place to ski in New York, correct? Uh, Hunter Mountain. I don't know if he said Hunter Mountain. There's Hunter in New York, and then you go up and there's Stowe and Killington, and there's Tuckerman's way up in New Hampshire. There's uh, Mad River Glen. I mean, there are probably more up in New York, but truth be told, I've never set foot on a board until I moved to Utah. Well, he, <laughs> he was telling me how it was. He's like, he's like, oh, basically it was like, like riding a sheet of ice, like putting oh. something on your feet and then, and then you're just going down a sheet of ice. He goes, I never enjoyed funny. it growing up. And then I come out here and I'm like, holy shit. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because when we carry my wife, she, she skied since she was three. And she, she, she can edge on ice, put her on a, on a vertical wall, and she'll find a way to stick to it. It's pretty crazy. Right. But we were going up President's Day weekend. And this is back when we were still dating. We're going up to Solitude, and I remember driving up, and she calls them just by Silver Fork. And you know where Silver Fork is, you know where Solitude is. Mm-hmm. And the, the cars are already starting to pack up. There are already people hiking up to get to Solitude from Silver Fork. So you know it's just going to be a madhouse. Right. And she's on the phone with her dad, and their parents, her parents are just getting up to, one, to somewhere up in New Hampshire, and they live in Rhode Island at the time. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to get, get some runs in. Now, mind you, we're sitting there talking to them, and I'm, we're having a conversation mid-course between, between when she's talking to her parents. I said, I looked over and said, do you want to be here today? And she's like, no. I said, uh, we're going home. And you hear on the phone, what? You went drove all the way there and you're not going to stay and ski? <laughs> and then like, Carrie, Carrie tells dad, it's like, yeah, it's only 30 minutes from the house. He's like, oh, 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 I see now. It's like, you don't have to do this. But like they would, they would get up at like four in the morning to make first chair. Oh, dude. Drive all the way up. And it's like, that's not fun. You know, it's like you're cold, you're tired. I can't, I can't imagine. You know I mean? I remember kids doing, uh, doing that like with the church group on Long Island. You know, they'd leave it, you know, they'd leave it, you know, you know, <laughs> basically three and four in the morning and they'd go up and they'd come back down and you'd see them getting off the bus and they were like blue. They were ice cold. They were covered. They're so soaked to the skin. And you're like, that's supposed to be fun. I stayed home and played video games. I'm good with my life. I'm totally fine. <laughs> not going up. Were you playing ColecoVision at that point? Uh, probably Nintendo. My, my, my buddy, my buddy, Andrew, we would, we would, play Contra and Mike Tyson's knockout and all that those classics that just, you know, you'd sit there for four and a half hours. And you thought you were, thought you, you know, you were the king of the world. And now people do it for like three days straight, you know, on Red Bull. Oh, but, that's um, disgusting. And I think that's what's what you boat. But, you know, it's yeah, funny. Was, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I forget that. I mean, we're, we're about the same age, but I remember my first video, my, I remember my friends had like the Atari 1500. Like the vi- oh god, man! The, like oh, you had like ast- yeah. asteroids and space invader, and like pong and yeah. combat or whatever. I don't know, but you know, Atari was kind of like the it was kind of like the it was the basic game. But if your folks had some coin, you had the ColecoVision. Do you remember? Was I that had the same I, in California. I fucking had ColecoVision. Oh man! I had the fucking oh. Zaxxon and Ladybug. Oh, no, what? Oh, See, that was the thing. Everybody, none of my friends had. One of my friends had that. He lived too far away. 
So it's only my mom would drive me over, you know? Yeah, yeah, and fucking Donkey so like, Kong. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, destroyed my childhood. Like, I couldn't play it. Like, oh. <laughs> and you get over, like, hey, man, let's play Kuga. He's like, man, that, that, I'm so tired of that. Let's go ride our bikes. I'm like, dude, that's all I do with my life. Come on, give me, give me five yeah. minutes. Yeah, and you're I just such need a fix. spaz. I just need a fix. Yep. And you're such a spaz. You, you can't really even, you don't win. You just like, it's like, like watching watching a monkey try to couch. It's like, wrong, wrong, wrong. Okay, guess what? We're outside. You're like, oh, man. Yeah, I, I got yeah. lucky. I mean, I got lucky, like, but I, I didn't, it was short-lived. Like, yeah. I got it. I probably was like fourth grade, and I had it maybe fifth grade. Sixth grade, I was, I was fucking out living the beach life, man. Oh yes, yeah, that, skateboarding, yeah. break dancing, uh, uh, running around, running around in the alleys, and like playing guns with my friends, and like shooting, what? pretend like we were shooting each other, and like, you know, doing just. I I, I I left. Oh yeah, well, it's funny. You know, I I never had an Atari or a ColecoVision. Just I had to borrow my. I, I, no, no, no. I had to, no, back in the day, like when I was, you know, like, you know, younger up until I was 12, nothing. I got a Commodore 64. That was the deal. But all the video games I got were geography games and spelling games and like, you know, Mars Lander. If you spelled the right word, it would land. If it didn't, it, it spun off into space and you died. So my, so my parents, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see why I'm like the way I am. It's like, oh, toys? Yes. You know. So, and it was funny my dad even was freaking out because, you know, you go to the store and you like, you'd see all these video games and you're like, oh, your mom says you can't get those. You got to get these. And they eventually broke down and it was a game called Beachhead. And I remember this because it was five levels and man, I mean, pixelated graphics. I could see it in my mind. But the best part was my dad played it more than I did. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, He'd be, I'd be going to bed and my mom's like, Are you probably going to talk to Jeff in. I'm almost there. Almost. Just give me really <laughs> that's hysterical that's hysterical yeah. um so we went on a little bit of a journey there which yep. was fun oh yeah um so t so Walter obviously is Walter of the Walter's Osteria yes um, absolutely one of the one mm -hmm. of the top fine dining restaurants did you did you end up so you came back I mean just captivating story about how what a what a human being he was. Um, yeah. Did you One of come my back and then? Stories. Did you come back and work for for Toscana and then go with over to Walters or what? What no, ended up transpiring I, after? I worked. I worked at Kachina Toscana for four years. I became one of the one of the senior servers. Uh, Justin Kinnear moved from. Uh, I basically I was a borderline captain. I'd run the floor if someone had if Justin was off or Michael, Michael Aaron at the time was off, but I never went beyond that. I, I kind of ended up, um, I blew out my knee on the floor. That's kind of what happened. But I left, I came back and then, uh, I blew out my knee oh, and, um, Oh, you never heard this story. This is, this no, is I, one. I mean, I've, I've known you to have knee issues, but I know I, cool. I always thought it was from jujitsu. No, no, this is well before. This is, this is, this is, this is what happened. This is great. So we're in the old space. And uh, at this point in time, it's the, I'm one of the senior servers. I'm doing really well for myself. I'm banking money. I'm doing, doing really great. I've got my eyes on a house. And uh, the 
Chest is in town, and Chest is the Cardiothoracic Symposium. Okay. So that means every heart doctor in the country, this is back when we, this is the high times. This is 06, I think. So okay. this, this, is, this is big money times. This is when you'd have like outdoor retailers would come to town and, you know, people are buying bottles of Brunello. And, you know, I mean, and they're, you know, they're just, they're, they'll leave a half the bottle on the table. This is all just on, this is all just to show off. Really, it's, it's kind of like the high time yeah. of, uh, of, of, of restaurants and, OR and things like that before the, before the crash. And uh, I'm there and they give me like, I think I had an eight top, a 10 top, a four, and I was splitting another 10 in the back room with another server who was new. So basically, I'm, I'm counting my money already. I have got my rent paid. I probably got a new snowboard after the night. I'm easily into, into a high, into a big number at this point in time. Yeah, I'm definitely Almost I'm approaching solid. four digits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, really. It's it's one of those things where it's that night where you're like, okay, this is this is where I capitalize on everybody wanting to go big. Sure. So I, I got my table and they're and they're doing good, but I mean, we're just this is this is the point where restaurants kind of start to stumble, and it's where you have people coming in who don't have reservations, but you're put taking them anyway because you know they're they're going to go. They they just this was the place to be. If you you know, and they're trying to jam people. I mean. If they could have stacked tables on top of each other and put people in higher chairs, they would have. That's kind of, you know, where you're getting to. It's, right. And, and the kitchen is just, and you know that moment where the kitchen just got hit with 15 tickets. And they're all at the same time. And they're all three to five courses. And the, it's just, the, the wall just, just came down. And uh, everything's starting to drag. I'm, you know, I'm waiting long. So one of our guys in the, in the Garmanger is like, you know what? Uh, we're making bruschetta. Walter wants everybody to have bruschetta. So at least there's something else, some wine, bruschetta, and they can relax and enjoy themselves and can get through this first push. So I drop off one and I'm moving. And as I go into the back room, there's a single piece of bruschetta upside down that I step on. And I, and I made a cognizant note when I walked out that I saw it there. And I was at least going to kick it just to make sure that no one slipped on it. Right. And I walked back in, I grabbed it and I turned. And as I did, my foot shot out and got wedged against the wall and I rolled across the top of my knee and I felt, and I felt it go and I fell backwards. And the best part about this is I fall backwards into this giant pyramid of cured meats and salads that they've built up as people are taking them out of, out of this space because they're so tight. And I just upend this thing and everything goes everywhere. The whole place, just everything stops and I'm sitting there covered in, and I somehow I turned myself around when, when, when my knee uncorked, I spun around to take the pressure off. But wow. I end up sitting there covered in just this crap. And that day, I rode to work every day, just like I did at Red Agua, Red, sure. the Red. Yep. Um, <laughs> you just said it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. No big, no yeah, big deal. Just, I don't think anyone's well, going to come, big come big out. Big Red. Well, you know, you know I, I rode to Big Red. Yeah. But, um, and that day, and now here's, a, here's an SAT question for you. I had my bike, and I was wearing it top and bottom, obviously skins and a shirt, shoes. And in my bag, I had my dress shoes, my socks, my slacks. My undershirt, my shirt, my apron, and all of my accoutrements, pens, wine keys, my, 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 my lucky book. What did I leave out? I don't know. Socks? My boxers. <laughs> okay. 
So here I am going commando and I'm sitting there covered in this crap and everybody's standing around me. Walter's there. And these three guys, and I, I've called them low, Mo, Larry and Curly ever since this happened. I have no idea who these guys are. Three docs run through and they scream at me. Don't move. You're in shock. And I'm not a, I'm not a dumb man, but I also know that when a doctor says don't to move, you, you freeze. Yeah. And the next one says, What's wrong? The third one, I tell him, it's like my, my, I felt my knee pop. The third one says, let's get his pants off. <laughs> now let's roll up his, no, let's push it up. There it is. Yeah, like, so, let's get his pants up. Yep. So now here I am. Now you got to see me sitting here covered in this garbage and my hands are clamped at my crotch, just holding onto my slacks, yelling, not here, not now. Right. So they finally stopped me. What's wrong? I'm like, yo, dude, listen, uh, there's one piece of fabric between me and me and you right now. And, uh, you know, this is not the forum. So I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. Doesn't phase him. The guy reaches into his jacket and pulls out a pair of ER shears. No may way. I be struck, may I be struck dead on my lanai right now if I'm lying, lying to you. <laughs> this guy whips these things out right. And God, these are such expensive sacks. <laughs> And he runs them all the way up. Does he stop at my knee? Oh, no. No. He takes it all the way up to my hip and then flops that thing over anyway. So I am out there just waving to everybody. And my- <laughs> this, is, this is fucking out of a yeah. movie. This is out uh, of a movie. Yeah. The better part is Andy Woodward, uh, one, one of my coworkers, falls up, rips his apron off, falls it up, and basically tomahawks it right onto my crotch to save me some form of modesty. And that's, I'm sitting there way, looking at people, and they're looking at me, and I had this giant mound of basically white linen on top of my junk. <laughs> and, that, and, and the doc looks at me, and they... Olive oil and tomato. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Just destroyed. <laughs> and they look at me, and they're like, they look at me, they look at each other, they poke my knee, and the thing looks like a basketball. I mean, it's totally, you can't even tell there's a knee there. It basically looks like, you know, just, just an extension of my thigh. Right. And they go, yeah, you need to get to the hospital. And with that, they straighten up, and they walk back to their table and don't do another thing. And just left so you So now, there. they left me there. They ended up, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how I blew out my knee, and I had two surgeries on it. Uh, came back and uh, actually had one surgery on it. I came back too early and uh, it didn't, it didn't take. So I had to go back and they had to read, they had to redo some more stuff. And that was my second surgery. So it was, it was pretty crazy. The, uh, the whole package. But yeah. So that was, that, 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 that's my, my, my Virginia Toscana story. Feel free <laughs> to share it with anybody. If you want to spit stuff all over the, over the countertop. It's, man, that's a fun one. Well, we'll see. We'll see if we can get some of those reactions from, from some of our listeners. I wait for the future. Yeah. Um, yep. So, <laughs> wow. Wow. Just I mean, I'm just, I'm, just, just I, I'm just thinking of like waiting or like office space, you know, with the fucking flare. And I'm just thinking that oh. like that, that's like perfect scene out of any movie where everything, like you could hear the, freaking record needle you know the needle scratch across the record oh, yeah. every everything just stops and you're like no one's staring at me and then you're like 
oh fuck, everyone's fucking staring yeah, at me. Yeah, the whole world just the whole world just figured out what's going on right now. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yeah. So you were. So would you say? I mean, one of part of what I wanted to talk about today was uh, your wealth of wine knowledge. So is that where you at Cucina Toscana? Is that where you got? You started to build that that's, that base that's for where you. It was. Yeah, I mean that was that, that 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 was the initial kind of kind of the the primer. I mean, mm-hmm. in New York, you have it shoved down your throat in any restaurant you go to. Especially, I mean, every restaurant has an Italian wine list. If you don't, you're not going to stay in business. I mean, that's kind of how it is. They yeah. all want you know you know this and that. But yeah, Cucina was the start, and then actually, I ended up uh, going over to um, to uh, what's called what was Zola, which is now the second floor of Squatters. Okay. And actually. Yeah, somewhere. Actually, I may have done some stuff between that, but that's this is part of the, this is more key part of the story. Um, and uh, yeah, Jen Jensen from uh, from Center Street or M's, and then uh, Ethan uh, Ethan, whose name I forgot, he owned a little uh, place up the street by a salon. I don't want to say on Third, but I forgot the name of it. Sorry about that. No, but then worry. I also met Scott. I also met Scott Evans, who owns the Paga Restaurant Group. Sure. And Scott and I, Scott and I hit it off at the time, and. Uh, we had uh, we had some people come in and they brought some monster bottles. I mean, they, they, these were bottles that probably should have been drank in a in, in, in a Michelin star restaurant. These were these were beautiful. Like some, I think some of these went back to like, and this is in the 2000s. They were French and they were just gorgeous. And Scott and I kind of started geeking out on this and we started talking about pairings. And he had a wealth more knowledge than I did, so we kind of just kind of clicked with each other and that's how I started really really starting to look at things and that started when I had this upswing and uh, that's kind of how it rolled into it and then with the rest of the restaurants you just start you just start asking questions I mean that's the thing you have to get you know everyone no one, no one likes to ask a question no one likes to be the, be, be the stupid guy in the room you know you know what would you pair with this and it's a it's a it's a it's like it's a uh, miso glazed salmon you know Right. And, you know, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to pair that with a, with, you know, the Zinfandel. What? Why? And there is no wrong answer because you're dealing with, you're dealing with an, an art form. You're dealing with, with, with something that cannot be quantified. It's not, you know, I mean, you go back, you know, red wine with red, you know, red wine with red meat, you know, fish with white. You know, there's, there's that age old ancient tradition of this is what you have to have. And, you start picking people's brains and you're listening to them like, well, you know, this, you know, this, this Zinfandel really isn't fruity. You know, it has a lot more spice to it and black pepper. And this is, and this dish is sweet, you know, and it's going to balance well, the salmon's fatty. And someone's going to pull something out of the air that you're sitting there going, well, I really never thought of that because I thought, and this is as you progress, you know, big, bold cabs, fruity pinot, you know, red, you know, uh, white wine that's going to taste like citrus from New Zealand. Right. You know, these are the things you start out with. And then you start figuring out that there's so many other, you know, subcategories of this, that, you know, there's a, if this, if this Pinot, Pinot's are a great example. If this Pinot is going to be from Washington or Oregon, it's going to have a little bit more earthiness to it. It's going to have that, you know, maybe some mushroom or, you know, everybody likes using the word terroir, you know, makes them sound important. You know, Terra like, what? you know, bar, terroir, you know, earthy. <laughs> Earthy. Yep. Oh, it's just so, say you know, earth. Yep. 
Tell someone the, if someone ever said that to me, I'd be like, "What?" I just I'd give them the same reaction. What? Yeah, what? Or that or you know, it, it smells like grandma's attic. Yeah, what? mustiness. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. Or you know, I, I, or but then you'll you'll go to um, California, Napa, and uh, there's a great guy, uh, Kent Fortner, Road 31, and he makes a Pinot that I'd walk across broken glass for, and it's beautiful, bright cherry, but it smells like dill pickles. It has a pickle nose to it. It has a dill, kind of that pickling spice to it. That if you starting out, someone telling you that this smells like dill pickles, you're going to turn up your nose to it. Like, wait a second, it's got a dill, kind of this weirdness to it. But as you learn, these are things that you incorporate into your repertoire that allow you to educate your guests and other staff members. It's like, oh, this, this is the only thing you can have with it. Actually, you could do something else entirely, which will totally blow somebody's mind. Uh, a uh, great, great uh, young lady up in Boise, Carly Stagg. She uh, she works at the co-op with uh, another with a psalm by the name of Samantha, and she found this bottle called a Tribute to Grace. It's a Grenache, and it's got orange in it, and it's light. It's not that heavy Grenache it's so, that everybody thinks it's supposed to be. Delicate, you could drink it and just relax. It doesn't kill your palate. I mean, the piece of things over time that you learn, you don't learn them coming out of the gate. You have to ask those questions. And really be willing for people to look at you, kind of, kind of, you know, like, are you supposed to be here, or did you just, you just stopping by for a, for a quick chat and a bite, you know? Right, right, yeah. I mean, I remember being in the kitchen and getting a lot of education on wines, and and the simplistic, you know, the, I guess the simplistic view that I took at the beginning was complex flavors in food, simple flavors in wine, like. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want them competing. You wanted them to, oh, no. to romance each other. And that, and that's, you know, when people ask me about different things and even though I don't drink anymore, I'm like, like, well, here's the deal. Like, here's why you would say, like, if you think about big cabs with like a, a nice piece of red meat is like the red meat is rich and it's, you know, got a little bit of fat to it, but there's not a ton going on. Like it's, it's like, you're just tasting yep blood and like yeah, minerals dire. and whatever and then you have this wine that's got you know oaky it's got smoke it's got dark you know, dark fruits and dried fruits and all these different layers of going on that's why it works or like you have a fish dish you know that's got a, a fruit salsa and blah 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 you know with all these different complex you know herbs and spices and like you know, possibly some vinegar in there. And that's why, you know, I would, I would be like, well, like a Chenin, uh, you know, Sauvignon Blanc or a Pinot Grigio or something is going to be good for that because you're like, yeah. at that point, you're cleansing your palate, getting your mouth ready for the next bite of food. You're not, you're not like eating food and then like have a half chewed fucking bite of food right. and then like drinking the wine and I, then like wait, sloshing wait, it around. <laughs> I mean, I, oh, wait, I've been doing it all wrong all my life. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I gargle with that stuff. I got to break that stuff down. It helps with digestion. That, yeah. That's why I say wine helps digestion, right? <laughs> Take a bite, swirl around, get it all kind of like liquidy, and you drink it. It helps. No. Yeah, yeah. Making a it, making a smoothie. Oh yeah. No, it's it, it it's something that really it becomes a love affair, but it also it has to be approached with with, with the acknowledgement that every bottle is an art, as as mass produced as it is to the most to the most small production. Somebody somewhere put their heart and soul into that bottle at one point, you know, right. and that's the, 
that's the it's just like it, it, it's just like it's just like dinner it's just like it's just like going going out for going out for a great meal and then and then instead of letting the chef show you his best you end up asking for this weird one-off sort of bullshit dish that that you make up in your mind because you're either too afraid to try something or you think you know better than somebody who earns his living creating art that people you know there's so many balances that you know salty sweet you know what was it a salt a salt fat uh, you know it just i don't claim to be a doctor i help anybody who if, if i did but you know what that's the same thing you don't tell somebody how to do their job and i think that's the one of the things that people forget when they go out to they think that they've they've dined everywhere they know. You may have a palate, but you got to let the man do his job or the woman. Forget yeah, and, yeah, and, by and, far. And, and, and create that experience where you're sitting there going, oh, you know, there's that moment where you have that bite. You know, I can, I I can tell you uh, one that resonates with me still. Uh, Center Japan in Las Vegas. It was uh, pickled roll take I think I may have talked to you about this way back in the day. Pickle roll, take them out, a single piece of yellowtail with a small deep fried sunchoke chip, perfect round of serrano pepper and cilantro. And as the server came by, they put a single dot of soy sauce right on the top and it ran down through all of them. And that was your first bite in the omasaki. And it was incredible. It was, there was, it was beyond anything I'd ever experienced at that exact moment. It was absolutely just mind blowing. I'm in awe right now. I, I want to go. I want to go there. Dude, man, if you go there, I will find a way to fly out. It's still unemployed. <laughs> I may have to sell a kidney, but damn it, we're going. <laughs> yeah, it might be out of my league at the moment too. But, but uh, yeah, like one, we'll, we'll make down, a, we'll make a date. We'll make a date oh. one day, and we'll we'll head there. Hell yeah, oh, man. man! That sounds marvelous. God, I love talking food and wine with you. It's so fucking fun. Yeah, it's so fucking come fun. Come out to Florida. Come in, come down to the island. I will take you all over Hell and Creation. I'll introduce you to some guys. Some, I actually met a chef uh, down in down in Naples, Jason Mazzioli, a place called Pozzo, where I was working briefly. You and he would hit it off. He's he's got that drive of yours. He's got that that perfection that everything is like on the plate and it is just beautiful and balanced. He was doing some crazy stuff there. He was taking a grappa and rosemary uh-huh. with a with a New York prime. Uh, ribeye, cryovacking it, and letting it sit 24 hours overnight, and the meat just took all of that, all that flavor of the grappa and the uh, rosemary, sucked it in, and then he would just grill it to a perfect medium rare. Oh my God, man! That char on top of it, and that little, that lit, that nice round flavor from the grappa, but not that rocket fuel flavor. You know, the first hit that's just so nasal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Touch of rosemary. It was, it was dead. I was like, man, somebody orders this and doesn't just basically slap their wife. They're dead. I mean, this is the best thing you've ever put in your mouth. <laughs> oh, Jeff, that's fucking awesome. That is awesome. Hey, everyone. This is Matt. I just wanted to thank you all for listening. And I wanted to ask you for a little bit of a favor. If you made it this far, you've listened to the entire episode of the podcast. And I would ask if you could head over to Apple iTunes, look up any of the episodes, and give me a rating. 
rate my podcast, whether you love it, hate it. I hope that you love it, but I don't have control over that, to be quite honest with you. Anyway, I would ask that you go over to Apple iTunes podcast, Apple podcast, whatever it's called, and give me a little review. You can write a blurb if you like, or just hit me up with some stars. It's into the fryer hyphen ramblings from the kitchen podcast. Do me that favor and help me out. Peace. Thank you.